My family had moved uh, to a ranch. For, we'd been there for about three years. I was about 15 years old. And uh, I would get bussed in about 12 miles from the ranch into my high school. And I uh, had to, after school, I had to walk from the school to this other place to catch the bus back home. And when I walked to this other place, I had to walk through a really, really bad section of town. And uh, I mean, it was really kind of a scary part of town. And so I would always have a couple of buddies with me, and uh, you were going by these alleys, you know, just hoping that there wasn't a gang in the alley or something like that. <clears throat> and this one particular day, sure enough, as we're walking by one of the alleys, you know, boom, out jumps a gang. And there's three of us, and there's 12 of them. And it's like, oh, no. So I'm a really fast runner, and I'm like, I got this thing, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just getting ready to bolt. And I, and, but they're already on top of my friend Ronnie. And Ronnie's this, like, really skinny, scrawny guy, and they are just beating him really bad. And I, I look over at my other friend, and he's long gone. So it's two of us. And there was just that moment where I'm like, what, what, what am I going to do? And, and when I just, I don't know, something just got inside of me, and I thought, well, I can't run. I got to do something about this. So I just start, I just put my hands up and I said, bring it on, you know? And so they started jumping on me. And by this time, uh, I had been in a lot of, I was a veteran fighter by this time because it was a tough school and I got in a lot of fight. I never ever started a fight in my life, but I had to defend myself. So I learned some skills. So these guys are jumping on top of me and I'm just standing and I'm literally, I'm, I'm going around in circles because they're coming at me from all angles. And I, you know, I, I thought I, I can only do this for so long, but I was doing okay. One guy had really long hair and I grabbed him and I threw him down into the cement, you know, and I was just like, I was doing crazy stuff. I was doing everything that I had to do to survive because I literally felt like at some point somebody's going to pull a knife out and they're going to knife me. Um, and so I'm doing this, and for about two and a half minutes, I'm just, just going, I'm turning circles, I'm kicking, I'm you know, doing everything I can do, and, and suddenly this guy comes, and he just, his, his big old car, I still remember it in my mind, he goes, Arr! he stops, and this big guy, he's probably about 35 years old, jumps out, and he puts his arms up like this, and he goes, hey, I'm going to call the police, and he comes running at everybody, and uh, all of a sudden the gang just dispersed, man. And so I'm standing there, and my friend Ronnie's pretty beat up, and uh, I was super adrenalized, and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, and I, I, I was thinking that, that that guy was like God showing up, because it was not, I mean, I was pretty much out of energy, and I could only fend those guys off for, for so long. And today, we're going to talk about fighting, we're going to talk about battle, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And, and, and the thing that you need to know about spiritual warfare is that God doesn't call us to fight the fight. Yeah, there is a, a kind of aspect of it where we're in the fight, we're in the battle, but God is kind of like that guy that showed up. You know, like right in the thick of it, he shows up and he goes, hey! And he comes against some of the forces that, that come against us. I love what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, my prayer is that when I die, all, hell, all of hell will rejoice and I'm out of the fight. And that's, that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for myself, that when I'm all done and finished, that every, every, everything in hell will go, glad we got rid of that guy. I want to just check this out, and we'll talk about it. This is part of the fight. We, just yeah. this week alone, with at least three students arrested. This afternoon, our tenders reporter, Jeff Lasky, asked District Attorney Summer Stephan what happens to these kids after they're caught. 
It is not a joke. It is never okay to threaten a school or anybody. With threats to schools happening seemingly all the time, San Diego District Attorney Summer Steffen spends a lot of her time thinking about the problem. It's hard. It's like every day I wake up and I think, you know, God forbid something could happen. And this week in particular will keep Steffen's office busy. There have been at least five threats, each against a different school. Students were arrested at Poway, Fallbrook, and El Capitan. Law enforcement is investigating threats at Scripps Ranch and Steel Canyon. We do see where it comes to school threats that they come in packs. Stefan thinks there may be a copycat element because several of the threats have been cries for attention. She says there have been 45 threats in San Diego County since the Parkland, Florida shooting in February. Of those threats, three have been more than just social media comments. We know that it wasn't a joke, that there were acts of preparation there was access to weapons. The kid had gone much further than just talking. As for the rest of the cases, Stefan says it's a balancing act between holding students accountable for their behavior and not letting a stupid mistake hurt them for life. Resources are brought to bear. We are able to restore that kid to a state of healthy behavior and, and really not, not do anything to impact their future. Jeff Lasky, Ted News. New information about the wave of school threats around San Diego County. There have been five just this. Wow. Last week, we outed the, uh, the beginning of the conversation about spiritual warfare. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is that this just, I mean, what's, what is happening to our society? And we see nightly news. This is one of the reasons I really don't watch news very often, because it's all bad. But it, but it just tells us that there are serious, serious problems out there. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what's driving this? Why does this crazy stuff like that happen? Well, there's not a demon behind every bush, so we're not going to go to that extreme. But we know that there are demonic, dark forces that are driving things in this world. And that's, that's some of what you see right there. And so the question, as Christ followers, because we know we're in the battle. The Bible tells us that. The moment you became a Christ follower, everything began to change. So what do I need to do to stand against the enemy? How do, how do I stand my ground against the enemy? So if you have your Bibles with you, let's get back into the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 6. The Apostle Paul, of course, the author, wrote this letter to the Ephesian church. And uh, let's begin with verse, verse 11 here. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Last week, if you were here, we talked about the fact that the Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, scheming, scheming all the time. And he's, he's playing for keeps. He's trying to take out your families. He's trying to take out our marriages. He's trying to hurt us any way he can hurt us, you know, financially, physically, doesn't matter. He's scheming. And then he goes on, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. And, and we, we discussed last week the fact that we often think, well, it's people are my enemy. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. Actually, there's things that are driving people, but people are not your enemy. The world of darkness, Satan, the, all the demonic forces out there are the, are the enemy. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. 
and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What I find interesting about this is that, uh, like, where did, where did Paul get this idea for this metaphor? Well, it's actually pretty easy to figure out. Paul did a lot of jail time. And while he was in jail or prison, guess who was there? Big Roman soldiers. And you can imagine as he's, you know, there one day and just, you know, day after day, looking at these Roman soldiers, he thinks, hey, wait a second. And he's thinking about spiritual warfare. And he begins to look at the different pieces of, uh, of armament that they have. You know, he sees the breastplate of righteousness. You know, he, he begins to identify, yeah, the, the, the heart. It covers the heart and all these different things. And he begins, this is where he comes up with this amazing um, idea of spiritual warfare and armament. So, so how do I use the armor that God has, has given me? So today, I'm going to try to make this as practical as I can because I know these are big questions that we have. You, you feel like you're being attacked. You feel like your family's being attacked. You're like, you know, how do I, how do I fend that off? What, what do I do? And the first thing is that you got to put on, he says, the full armor of God, not just part of it. it look, if you're a soldier and you're going into war, you don't want to leave any part of your armor back home, Right? I mean, you need, you're going to need all of it because the moment that you don't have that one piece that you need, that's probably where you're going to get hit. So on a spiritual level, it's like we need all of it. And Paul just kind of lays it out for us. He, first of all, he talks, about the, uh, the bread, the, he talks about the buckle, okay? I don't know how many of you, and I'm going to really date myself by saying this, but how many of you grew up when you were first a kid, there were no seatbelts? Anybody here that old? Okay. Yeah, some of you remember that. And uh, that was, like, I, I remember when seatbelts happened. And, you know, I remember looking at my parents. I'm going, what are these things anyway? And my parents are like, oh, those are seatbelts. And at the time, it was optional. And so it's like, well, I'm not going to wear that. That's stupid, you know. And, and, and we didn't. But then the law came out, and the law said you need to wear seatbelts because seatbelts save lives. Well, on a spiritual level, wearing this belt, it says stand firmly with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, will save your spiritual life as well. So if you can visualize a, a Roman centurion, they had this belt, and this belt held up everything. In fact, if they didn't have this belt on, all the other really integral parts of armament that were so important, wouldn't, it wouldn't hold them together. It was, it was foundational. You ever, you ever like not worn a belt and had your pants sort of falling down? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh man, everything is sagging, everything, you know. I, mean, I, know, I realize that some people, they do it purposely, you know. But I remember one time, um, I walked into a Burger King with my whole youth group. I was a youth pastor at the time. And my, my, my pants were kind of sagging a little bit, you know. And I'm, you know, kind of doing this, didn't have my belt on. And uh, this kid came up behind me, and he pants me right in front of the two women behind the counter. And I mean, everything came down. So it was a bad moment. A belt would have been really useful during that time. But he says, put that, put that belt of truth around, around your waist. Now, why, why is that so important? Look at you and I, the way that we do warfare isn't the way that the world does warfare. As a matter of fact, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Well, what are the weapons of the world? We talked about this a little bit last week. You don't fight lies with lies. You don't fight deception with deception. You don't fight manipulation with manipulation. On the contrary, he says that the weapons that we use have, the divine, have divine power to demolish 
strongholds, whatever they would be. We demolish every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We don't, we don't do it. We change the narrative. Like, okay, um, people are lying about me. Okay, some evil is being perpetrated against me. Okay, I, I got this battle on my hands. How am I going to fight this battle? We do it God's way. We, we don't do it the way that the world does it. And, and, you know, we all know what it's like to be in the middle of some terrible battle in your life. I, I wonder how many of you can identify right now some battle that's going on in your life. And I wonder if you have any thought that maybe there's a spiritual element to it. That maybe something is driving. Maybe it, it, it could be a family member or an addiction issue of some kind or a financial thing or some lawsuit that you're in right now or something is going on. Maybe it's a marital thing and you're like, oh, you know, and so how do I fight this battle? on a spiritual level, as a Christ follower. Well, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul talks about embracing truth. And here, here's the thing about truth. If, if we're going to be people of truth, we have, to, we have to have truth in our mind. We have to have truth in our head. We have to, to live out the truth. And I know the big question of the day is like, what is truth? Kind of like what Pilate asked a long time ago. Like, what is truth? Well, the Bible says, and Jesus said in particular, he said, I am truth. I'm the way and the truth and the life. And I hear people saying, hey, just live in my truth, man. Well, what is your truth really? What is, what is your truth and what is my truth? If it's not that truth, if it's not the higher truth, it ain't the truth, not the real truth. And when he talks about having our belt on, being buckled up, it's with the truth that we can all, as Christ followers, say, you know, I don't always get it right and you don't always get it right, but there's one truth we can agree on, and that is the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is, and what he's done in our life. That's one truth we have to agree on. Because if it's just my truth and your truth, you know, we're probably all just a few months away being cult leaders. It's got to be his truth. You got to wear, wear truth. You got to embrace truth. And then you got to protect the heart. You know, the Bible, if you ever take a concordance and look up the word heart, you're going to find hundreds and hundreds of words where it says heart, scriptures where it says heart. Why, why is that so important? Because the Bible says that like, the heart is the wellspring of life. Now, if the enemy is going to really take you out, guess where he's going to really come hard? He's going to come at your heart. Your heart is the essence of who you are. It's your mind. It's your emotions. It's your will. Everything about you really is your heart. And he's going to come in hard, and he's going to try to take your heart out, and there's so many different ways he can do it. Because he knows that once he takes your heart out, he takes your will out. Your hope is gone. You're, you're a deflated, beaten person. Remember, he said he's going to try to do that. Stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So this was another part of the armament. Remember, they'd have that big old breastplate. Protecting the heart, especially the heart. Because in battle, if you got to somebody's heart, they were dead. That, that was the end of it. So... What does that look like to, to protect our heart? Well, first of all, one of the ways that the enemy comes at us is, is for instance, in 1 Corinthians 1.13, is temptation. Just basically says this. He says, all of us get tempted, but this scripture says that nobody gets tempted beyond the point where they, well, God won't help you, or God won't show up for you. But that's, that's how the enemy is going to try to take you out. He's going to tempt you, he's going to tempt you, and then he's going to get you to sort of fall on your sword, so to speak, and then you're going to be really, really defeated, and, and that's the way he's going to do it. Now, here's one of the ways that the enemy gets us. Did you know that to the enemy, your greatest strength is probably your greatest weakness? 
What do I mean by that? I don't know how many times in my life I've talked to somebody who said, there's one thing that I will never, ever succumb to. There's one thing that I will never do because they feel so strong in, the, in that area. Let me tell you, that's where you're going to fall. I would never cheat on my wife. That's where you're going to fall. I would never take drugs. I would never drink alcohol. I would, I would never become an alcoholic. I would ne- whatever it is, I'm strong. And the enemy's going, oh, perfect. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because when I'm weak and when I'm vulnerable, I know it. And so that's what I'm calling out for God. That's what I'm calling out for help. And I'm saying, okay, God, I need some help in this area. It's in those other areas that I'm, I'm actually dangerous. And then we have to create and commit to a plan for developing character. In 1 Timothy 16, let me read this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And I like this last part. It says, fight the good fight of faith. You're in the fight. Fight the good faith. So if you're going to protect your heart, it, it, it means that there has to be this standard of, of righteousness that we have, that, that, that we embrace. And that we, when I say commit to a plan of, of, of righteousness, have you ever noticed that you don't just drift into righteousness? You don't just like go, you know, I just like every day I just need to be getting more righteous and you're doing nothing. It doesn't work that way. You drift into all the trouble. You drift into badness. You drift into evil. You drift in, that's, if you're not doing anything, like if you're not in the battle, then you're losing the battle. You're going backwards. And when he says, fight the fight, that means every day, you know, I, I know, doesn't it feel like a grind sometimes? Oh, okay, I got to read my Bible again. You know, I got to pray. You know, all those spiritual disciplines got to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. If you're going to be relevant, if you're going to be in the battle, if you're going to fend off the attacks of the enemy, that's what we do. We commit to a plan. And here's here's the good news about that. It gets better. You get stronger. You are able to fend off the attacks. You know, uh, I don't know how many of you think of yourself as righteous, but did you know, according to the Bible, and if, if you believe the Bible, then you'll know this, the Bible says that when you became a Christ follower, you became the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That you actually became righteous. Back in the 70s, we used to say it like this. Righteous. So turn to the person next to you and say it in a 70s way. Righteous. That's how we fend off the attacks of the enemy. We have to know that we're right. And we're not perfect. When we say righteous, that doesn't mean perfect. That just means that we are covered by Christ. And he goes, I see you, even though you don't see yourself that way, I see you as being righteous. And then we need to be grounded in peace. This is another part. Now, maybe you've never, ever thought about it this way, but um, the soldiers wore these, uh, I'm going to call them holy Nikes. And so they, they wore these special shoes and they had these spikes in them, kind of like you know, some of the Nike shoes do. And see, well, well, why would they need the spikes? Well, these guys were, a lot of times, it was just hand-to-hand combat. And there'd be somebody right in front of them, and they could not lose their footing. But if they lost their footing, there was a good chance it was going to be all over. If you fell down, you did not want to fall down. So they had these special spikes on the bottom of their, they kind of like look like sandals, and they're fighting, and they're able to hold their ground. There's all kinds of stuff. There's blood all over the ground. There's urine all over the ground. I mean, you know, it's gnarly. It's horrible. 
And they're fighting, but they, they got their feet firmly planted in there. This is one of the offensive weapons. It's a weapon where you stand on your ground, and sometimes you, you even go forward. He says, stand firm then with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Have you ever thought of peace as a weapon? On a spiritual level, it actually is. I, I love peace. I love feeling peace. I love experiencing peace. And I guess the opposite of that would be anxiety, fear. And, and so God knows that when you and I experience peace in our life, we have the edge. We do. We have confidence. We're able, you know, there's something about fear that just takes your energy away. Something about anxiety that just saps all of, all of your energy. So how do you do that? On a practical level, how do you do that? First of all, you've got to keep short accounts. In Romans 12, 18, it, it says this. It says, live at peace with all people. Now catch this last part. As far as it depends on them. Is that what it says? No, on you. It puts the responsibility on us. Live at peace with all people as far as it depends on you. So as Christ followers, it means that we, wherever we go, we're to bring the peace. Now, there's, there's two kinds of peace. There's peace with people and there's peace with God. And, and, and here's what you need to know on a spiritual warfare level. If you don't have peace with God, you're not going to have peace with people. And if you don't have peace with people, you're not going to have peace with God. Jesus was talking about this one day, and he said, look, if you're on your way to church and you know that somebody's got some issue with you, he said, don't go to church and be a fake. He says, you go, you go to that person and you make it right, and then you go to church. That's how serious he was about us making our relationships right. So that's part of the peace process. On a, on a spiritual warfare level, that we are people of peace. And then we need to champion peace. We need to be champions of it. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said this. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. And this is a high title. He said, for you're going to be called children of God. Are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? See, God's called us to be peacemakers inside of our families, at work, when we're out playing, out surfing, somebody drops in on us, whatever, it doesn't matter, peacemakers at every level. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of, and I love this, reconciliation. Are you a reconciler? The ministry of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors to bring peace in a world that is full of turmoil. In a world that knows little of peace, he says, you know what you do, good soldier, man, woman? He says, you bring the peace. And it's a weapon. You never thought of that as a weapon, did you? But it empowers us. It emboldens us. He said in, in Romans chapter 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to show you something. See those feet? Those are beautiful. Those are beautiful feet right there. Right now, they're being beautiful feet. You know why? Because I'm bringing good news. I'm bringing the gospel. And, 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 and Paul saw it this way. He said, wherever you bring those beautiful feet, you're bringing yourself. And you're bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ because you are a Christ follower. And, and, and we live it out. And it becomes a beautiful weapon of sorts. But not the kind of weapon that hurt people, but to actually help people and to keep us safe. 
in a, in a spiritual battle of some kind? Do you have any peace? You got to get the peace. Make it right with God. Make it right with them. In fact, right now, I wonder, I'm just going to pray a prayer right now. I wonder if there's somebody here and you have no peace in your life. You're, you're just so full of anxiety right now and you're sitting there and your heart's beating and you're going, man, I wish I had peace. I have none. So many bad things going on in my life right now. And maybe it's because you're not right with God or maybe it's because you're not right with some person or persons. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, pray right now that if there's somebody here, maybe there's several people, and there's turmoil, and there's anxiety, and there's anxiousness, and, and there's, it's just sapping all the life and energy out of, out of them. God, I pray for them right now. And if, and if it's because they're not right with you right now, I just pray that they would just get it right with you. You're a prayer away. And if it's with somebody else, give them the courage and the wisdom to navigate that and to do what they have to do to establish the peace. It might be quite a process. Help know you'll be with them every step of the way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And then finally, it's the shield. Probably some of you have seen the movies with the shield, you know, like in the medieval movies or even back in the Roman times. And they had these, these shields. They were about four foot long and about two and a half feet wide. And they were covered with this uh, leather material. And the, they would dip the leather in water for a long period of time. Well, why would they do that? They would do that because of the arrows, fiery arrows that would be shot. And when they hit the, the leather that was dipped in water, it would actually put the, the arrows out. And, and so he says, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What are the flaming arrows that are coming into our life today? It's coming in from our culture. It's, it's, it's coming in in various sort of lies, lies to our children. Things are being taught many times. It's really unfortunate. Lies just coming from, from all over the place. Sometimes it comes in the way of, of discouragement. You ever, you ever get that, that, that arrow? It's, it's really a thought planted in your head. And you, in one moment, you go from being okay to not being okay. And you're like, wow, how did I get here so fast? Why am I so discouraged? Why do I feel so shamed in this moment? And you, you gave no thought to where that came from. Fiery dart of the enemy. So how do you fend that off? You do it with faith. And not just faith in anything. Not just faith in yourself. But you do it with your, your faith in Jesus Christ. And you, you hold up that shield. And, and this is the way you do it. One of the ways... When I'm going through a difficult time, I'm just like you, man. I have bad days, good days. But when I'm having a bad day, I just think back to this. God, you have never, ever let me down. I've let you down, but you've never let me down. You've never failed me. You've always, always been there. And I know that I can trust you. That's part of faith right there. So if you're going through something right now, I want you to think back. Did, did you get me through the last thing, God? Yeah. Okay, can you get me through this thing? I think so. And then i got to replenish my faith with actions. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this. He said, faith without what? Works. Action is dead. So it's not just enough to say, I have faith. you got to live faith. you gotta, you got to do something. So when those, when those accusations come against you, when the fiery darts of lies and, and, and the, the, the stuff that's just kind of messing with your head comes against you, you go, I'm not, I'm not going to accept that. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do something about it. I'm going to claim the promises of Jesus. I'm going to stand on his, his word and on his truth. And then finally, you've got to reconnect with other Christ followers to battle together. So I want you to visualize all these shields, but have you ever seen what happens when all the arrows are coming? The shields are not separated. They link them all together. They would actually interlink. And the soldiers all hold those shields up high. And all those arrows just pop, 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 hitting the shields, but not them because they did it together. That's really, that's this, the, the aspect of community, of life groups, of, of, of everything that we do here. In Ephesians 4, 16, it says this, it says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's, that's us, the picture of the body of Christ, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We're all, we're all just, we're in this together. We're in this together, all of us. So as we talked about this this morning, what part of the armament, are, is, is it the truth aspect of it? You're like, yeah, my life isn't so much based on truth. You know, there's, there's some stuff I got to take care of there. Is it the breastplate of righteousness? You say, man, my heart's vulnerable right now, and there's some things that are weakening me. What, what part of, of that would it be? Is there no peace in your life? You go, I, mean, I, I, I just need to have some peace in my life. Or is it the fact that those fiery arrows, those darts are coming at you, and you're just having a hard time dealing with them, and you just need to be raising the level of faith? Lord Jesus, the battle is real. The battle is real. We all know that. We see the nightly news, and it's just so disheartening. We see what is the influences on our families. We see the hopes and the dreams that we have and the things that we we want to aspire to, but there's this battle going on, and it's gnarly, and we need your help. God, help us to use the tools and the weapons that you've given to us, because you know what, God, we love our kids, and we love our marriages, and we love our friends, and we love our friends who don't know Jesus, and we love our neighbors that are struggling with addiction, and we love our community. But God, we are in the battle. Help us to embrace the armament that we need to be not only in the battle, but to win the battles. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.